What's up, everybody? Bobby here, the Geek Guru. Geek? Definitely Guru? I don't know. There's a really wonderful podcast you should be listening to called We The GamerCast. For my BFF, Sean Capri. And when I'm not playing video games, that's what I do. I listen to We The GamerCast daily, on repeat, over and over. What do you think? Too much? A bit. How much is he paying you to do this? He said like $50. But he's Canadian. That's like, what, $5 American? We can't even buy dog food with that. Huh. I, uh, I I never really thought of it like that. You know what? Never mind. Everything I just said, just disregard. Everyone, it's me, Sean Capri, and welcome to episode 21 of a brand new rebooted We the GamerCast. It is hosted by WeTheNerdy.com, and it publishes every Monday on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast, because it probably is just getting that from iTunes. I think that's how that works. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for grabbing a little old lady at the grocery store and telling her to listen to We the GamerCast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, man, what a week, you guys. How have... I hope you've been good. I had a chance to look over at Sony and see what those guys are doing and talk about Sony a lot this episode, actually. But uh, Sony made a big announcement about their Pussver, I think, is how you say that? Pussver? It's weird. There's no vowels in it, so I'm not sure how they're going to market this whole Pussver thing. But it's priced pretty good. Three ninety nine for a Pussver. That's pretty much the best price I've I've heard yet for a Pussver. I didn't get to a lot of gaming this weekend, which made me a little bit of a sad panda. Um, so I'm I'm going through Twilight Princess pretty slowly. I'm creeping up to the end of Fire Emblem. But with Twilight Princess, I, I turned a corner because I wasn't sure that I was really enjoying it. <laughs> which is weird because I remember really liking it. And I like not having to wave my hands around to play Twilight Princess uh, now that it's just with a pro controller. Which, by the way... If you've, if you've played with a pro control, that thing is fantastic. That battery on it lasts like 80 hours. It's light in my hands. It's super, super comfortable. The only thing that I think that I don't like about it is that the buttons, like the A, B, X, Y, they could be moved over to the right just a little bit. Just a little. That's just me though. I don't know how you guys feel about this pro controller thing, but I love it. I definitely prefer playing with uh, the pro controller than with the Wii remote and the nunchuck. That's, that's for sure. But um, Twilight Princess has a slow start, not in the way that I think most people talk about. Most people will talk about the, you know, when he's in the when Link's in the village and you're running errands and things like that. That definitely is the slow start. But the game doesn't really even pick up until, in my opinion, it doesn't pick up until you get to the swimming level, <laughs> which is weird because I normally hate water levels. Um, but when you get the suit to start swimming and breathing underwater and then you start combining that with the claw shot or the hook shot or whatever the hell it's called and the iron boots and the, the water bombs that's some good that's some good zelda so if you haven't played it yet go make it to that point before you stop playing 
Uh, I was about to. I, I was thinking maybe there's something else that I might go play, but uh, I Twilight Princess officially has its hooks in me, and I will be hopefully going on a bit of a tear with that one because I gotta I gotta wrap this up. This is definitely my my game that's tiding me over a little bit while I'm in between games, but I'm kind of glancing over at everybody playing the division. I have to admit, I'm a little bit jealous. I might might pick that up. So we'll see. I'll let you guys know. You'll be you'll be here, I hope, as we go through these ridiculous purchase decisions that I don't know any rhyme or reason why I do what I do. It's just, who knows? Maybe this podcast will just help me talk it through or just highlight the fact that I'm totally not making any sense. You guys will let me know, I'm sure, though. So thank you for being here. Thank you for all the positive feedback you guys are, like, Oh man, couldn't I couldn't keep doing this if I didn't have people tweeting at me and stuff and just saying how much they enjoy the show. So thank you so much for that. It means more than you know. Unless you're just listening to what I just said, then you know exactly what it means. So yeah, keep that positive feedback coming. <laughs> okay, before we jump in with my guest this week, the Arctic Sloth, uh, I put up an article on We the Nerdy this week and holy crap people are mad (laughs) because i asked if sony just gut punched the nintendo nx with their announcement of of the the pisver the playstation vr and people were coming at me from all corners of the internet to tell me that i'm pretty dumb (laughs) because uh in case I didn't know, the PlayStation VR is not a console, and the Nintendo NX is a console. Therefore, the two are not competition, and they are not competing with each other. And uh, I, I, I don't even know. I was I was debating whether or not to even bring this up. So I'll, I'll keep this really quick. You guys, let me know what you think. Read the article. I really encourage you to go to weedthenerdy.com. Read the article. Um, it was posted on the fifteenth, so it's a it's a few days back now. And my, my, the, the crutch of the argument is this. And I feel like I'm right in the mix of this because later this year, PlayStation VR will come out for 399 American dollars, which in, in Canada, uh, that, it's much harsher. It'll cost, if I were to pick up and pre-order a Pussiver, it would be, I think, 550 Canadian dollars, and that's without the camera and without the move controllers and all that. That's just for the basic one. So it's it's pretty pricey. And so when I start to think about all the money that I'm going to spend in 2016 for video games, um, I start to think, well, that could be a really good way to, to spend some of my money. But what if Nintendo comes out with their NX, which I think we all are sort of assuming that's just going to happen. What if Nintendo has a has a four hundred dollar item that is calling my name and wants wants to be purchased? And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not planning on making multiple four hundred dollar plus gaming decisions and purchases in 2016. I ain't got that kind of money, and I don't know if any of you out there have that kind of cash. Um, this whole this whole thing where we we just got over the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One coming out at the same time. And most people had to make a decision. It was one or the other. Now, I get it. PlayStation VR, more commonly known as the Pussfer, um, I get it. It's not a console. 
you're probably right in saying that Nintendo NX is not a VR machine. So I, I, I understand. They're not similar in terms of the product, but they're similar in terms of being targeted at gamers. And so I just want you to think about that for a second, just to think about different products, different services, different goods and services that are competing with each other that aren't necessarily within the same product category. It is a real thing. This is something that these big, huge companies have giant teams thinking about more than just is PlayStation competing with Xbox? Is it competing with the Wii U? But they definitely think about like, there are so many different factors that come into play when when these companies analyze what strengths their products have, what weaknesses, the opportunities and the threats. It is way bigger than just, <laughs> wouldn't that be easy? Wouldn't that be way too easy if a, a marketing executive, all his job was to go, okay, I work at Sony. All I need to worry about is what's Xbox doing at, in terms of their console. I'm almost certain that it's, it's a, there's a little more to it. And it's because when this October and when this holiday comes around, there are going to be plenty of PlayStation gamers out there who might may have grown up with nintendo i'm definitely one of them there's a lot of people out there believe it or not who still love nintendo they have a decision to make this this holiday unless they're totally rich and they can do both but many people will be asking themselves am i getting an nx or am i getting a playstation vr maybe they're not going to get either that's obviously a that's something else entirely so a whole a whole bunch of stuff came up over this article. I had some some decent discussions in the comments, so I was grateful for that. Um, I think people once you get past the headline, and let's face it, we need to put up some of these ridiculous headlines. I don't think it's that bad. I said Sony gut punches Oculus, the Vive, and Nintendo NX because it's obvious Sony they now own the discussion when it comes to VR three ninety nine. When you talk about an Oculus being $599 and a Vive being even more than that, we don't even know what these things are about. Most of us haven't even put a VR headset on. And so it's not only do we have to be sold on the fact that VR is a thing and that's something that we want, it's going to be even harder for Oculus and for Vive to say, not only do you want this thing, but our version of it is worth $200, $300, $400, dollars more than the one that works really easily with your PlayStation 4. So that's an easy thing to talk about. It's easy to talk about the PlayStation, the, the, the Pussifer being kind of in a, in a positive position here. Definitely being, uh, I don't know if I would say leading the pack, but it's definitely owning the conversation and in a similar way that PS4 did. That went really well for them. So I wasn't sure if the same thing was going to happen with NX. I don't know if there's going to be a carryover. All I know is that there are dozens and dozens and dozens, maybe three dozens, of millions of PlayStation 4s out there with dedicated Sony fans who are active consumers. They're active customers and ready to hand out cash to Sony. So that's all I wanted to explore with this article. Let me know if I'm crazy. It's not something I haven't heard yet. So uh, that is the the article that I have placed on the internet this week. All right, well, that's enough about the Pussifer. Let me know your thoughts. Tweet at me, Sean Capri. That's Sean like Connery. Capri like the pants. But let's get into it. My guest this week is Frank, the Arctic Sloth Sizemore. He just started a podcast called The PlayStation Report, 
We're going to talk about some really crazy things in here, including a nude picture of him on the internet. <laughs> Very weird, but I hope you guys like this. Here we go. This is Frank the Arctic Sloth Sizemore. good i just i was just able to just today have your podcast playing on the youtube video and i was doing some i i just got caught up in the garage <laughs> doing stupid grown-up stuff this weekend and um how is it how is it for you to finally get started with the playstation report i i gather this is something that you've been thinking about doing for at least a little while yeah i i've it's really been ever since I've seen like Colin and Greg do their thing on Beyond. I was like, you know yeah. what? I I have this friend Tyler, and me and him like we really we grew up with PlayStation, and like that's our thing, and we just feel like that we can do a show, not necessarily a co copy of their show, but it. I feel like we have a different angle on it than they do. You, well, and I really appreciated that, especially from the first one. You could kind of you could feel a momentum building as you guys kind of got through the first episode i think just getting through like how do we start this thing and then you fall into your normal casual conversations that i'm sure you guys have all the time is that kind of how you that's how it came across is that how you felt it, it went yeah yeah we were it, really we were just winging it yeah yeah <laughs> we we knew we knew we'd have like a little preamble thing where we talk about the games that we want that we played and then we'll we go into the news but then there's other stuff that we talk about too it just comes up sure so walk me back through like beyond so when did you start listening to greg and colin like way back in the day oh god somewhere it was actually kind of late i i got okay. going late on late on the train somewhere in like the 200s that's not that late well that it i feel <laughs> like it's it kind of is like well all right let's say mid 200s like sure. two 250 something i jumped in so it it did it is a little bit late on that train and do you remember but, somebody like telling you about it like how did you even get into to listening to podcasts that was one of the first ones that i started listening to as well um and for me it was when ios came out with the podcast app i'm like i've always wanted to get into podcasts i've always wanted to start listening to these things but it was always kind of a pain because before that you had to sync your ipod or your phone with your computer and then it would download and all this other stuff. As soon as the app came out, I started downloading like crazy. So like I'm I'm interested I'm always curious of how other people kind of got into podcasts, if you can you remember. See, <laughs> you see, it, it started when I started driving to school. Okay. And um I I didn't have like right now I have a uh, Sirius satellite radio. But back then I was just listening to like the local channels and stuff right. and it just got boring after a while. Mm -hmm. So I was like I need I need to get something else in my ears and I didn't feel like paying <laughs> for a shit ton of music. And so that that's how I landed on podcasts cuz I could just download them all on my home on Wi-Fi and then just play them whenever. And did you know that like right away you wanted to get into video game podcast like not uh doing them but list start listening is that kind of where you first went with podcasts? Uh, not necessarily. It wasn't okay. video games. It was actually, uh, it was like more of these different story-driven ones. Like there was this 
I forget his name, but there was this one, this guy did, like, st- conspiracy stories about aliens and shit, and it was really fun. I love that. That is awesome. So, is that something that kind of, like, finished up? Is it, is, like, I'm, I would totally go listen to that <laughs> if you could give me more to go oh, on. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to ask my dad, but, uh, he, he's the one that got me into it. Like, he was like, uh, you should really listen to this, and I didn't take him seriously until I started driving. Sure. And not having anything else to listen to. It- that's a, um, that's awesome. What else what else kind of got you on the road to to beyond? Oh, well, I've always been a gamer and sure. I've always like I've always like browsed like sites and stuff. Yeah. Like IGN's the game spots it's back in the day of GameSpy. I I watched Oh I yeah. Um but uh yeah, I I was just stumbling around on it and I was like, wait, they have podcasts about games. <laughs> I was like, how does that work? Well, and the other thing is like, wait a minute, this is a this is all I want to think about. <laughs> yeah, because before I thought like all these podcast things were like they were like super serious, almost, almost scripted, like yep. they wanted to get through a specific story and it, it was just hearing something that was more conversational like that, it was it was uh eye-opening so were you kind of like right at the start thinking this podcast beyond is something i want to be a part of obviously they've built an amazing community and and i owe like a lot of the inspiration for what like just doing this is a lot of you know greg miller saying and and another guy here in canada victor lucas talking about if you want to do it just do it like just stop thinking about doing it just go out and do it so i would be it would i wouldn't be truthful if i said that i i'm not doing this because of probably five six or seven other podcasts that that i've listened to and thought why don't i just get on a mic and start talking to people so um what was it about when you started listening to beyond i'll share my story afterwards too because i definitely have a moment where things turn for me like what was it in listening to beyond that you're just kind of like i'm going to be with these guys whether they're with they're at ign or if they move on to something else i don't it's it's gonna sound really weird but uh, i i I just love listening to Colin be like be Colin. I like listening to Colin be Colin and listen and then just hearing how Greg is just like, "All right, you have your space." <laughs> I, I just like that dynamic between them. Like they they have like it's not just that they're podcasters; they're like legitimate friends with each other, and right. they, it's just it's really fun to watch and listen. Totally. For me, it was, I, I think the first time I saw a video of Podcast Beyond was actually on 300. And that was the first time that I was really jealous of another group of people for being in a crowd of a podcast. Because <laughs> as soon as they started out and Greg yells out Beyond and then the whole crowd yells, like just like the whole audio just peaks, right? And you can just imagine what it would have been like in that, in that crowd. Never, ever since then, I've just thought that this community that they built is so great. So it's been quite a ride just watching them kind of do their thing. And, and I think that there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of people on the internet who owe their start in podcasting to what those guys have built out. So that's great. I want to, we, we've decided that and determined that we both love the kind of funny crew you take it almost to another level because when i first started <laughs> when i first heard of you it was actually so when i'm watching every day uh, at 11 colin and greg go live <laughs> i don't even know what they say i'm trying to like remember um when i watch colin and greg monday through friday on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games i'm on an elliptical at, at at the gym it actually works out really nicely because uh 11 o'clock their time is 12 o'clock my time 
So I'm on lunch, I go to the gym, I'm on an elliptical, and I'm killing myself laughing on this thing. Like I'm I'm exercising, and then every once in a while somebody will say, like when they bring up like Timmy and Tommy or whoever <laughs> the Timmy Tommy thing. And I remember just like I had to stop and people are looking at me like, what the hell is this kid doing? He's just watching two nerds on his phone. Um that's kind of where where I am. But so I'm I'm on the elliptical every day and fairly often a tip comes up from the Arctic slot. So I have to ask, how much money have you thrown to the kind of funny pot of gold? <laughs> oh, on okay. So on Twitch, that's that's an animal in itself. Okay. Um, let's see. I've been subbed to them for I want to say ten months now, which that's five bucks a month. That's fifty dollars there. Yeah. I've I think last I checked, I haven't really kept a tally, but. I have a ballpark around number. I think I've tipped around sixty to eighty dollars. That's not bad. Cause you've been doing it a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, recently I haven't been able to since I've moved to a new office. They don't let me watch Colin and Greg live. Oh, during, like, fascists! Yeah, because used in my old office, I used to be able to uh, watch Colin and Greg live as long as I just I was working while I was doing it. Sure. So, eh. So are you watch it's whatever? Yeah. Oh, that that kind of sucks. I'm sure they 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 know you intimately though. I know Colin has actually called you out, and I want I need to ask you about this. Maybe you can explain yourself. Um, because okay, I'll take a step back before I jump into totally accusing you from something that's hilarious. Um, when I when I was listening to your podcast, I was surprised by your by your tone and by your maturity actually, because it doesn't seem to match your online sort of persona <laughs> so the oh, reason that's... i say that for anybody who doesn't know um it's not his current twitter picture but frank's previous twitter profile picture was quite revealing do you want to talk about the story behind this this picture that you had for the entire internet to see <laughs> all right there, there really isn't much of a story like one day i i get out of i get out of the shower i look in the mirror and i was like damn i like that <laughs> So I was like, wait, there's my phone. So mirror selfie of me naked. No no dick, no balls showing. I, I tried to keep it tasteful in that respect. but uh... Definitely. T- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's, just, that's just what it is. I, I, I was like, wow, I should really take a picture of this. I might not look like this forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the most mature slash like incredibly well thought out foresight for what that is that is hilarious i didn't look at it long enough to realize that it was even a selfie so i actually assumed that somebody else had taken that picture for you the selfie might actually be a better i I don't i don't actually i don't draw people into that i'm like you know what i'll take that picture myself i will not make someone else take that picture oh my so were you watching colin greg when when colin actually like he noted on that he remarked on the fact that (laughs) <laughs> you had a nude picture. <laughs> oh, I I can't even remember exactly when that was. Like I, I feel like you were tipping, and then and then he, uh, I think you were calling them out on something, and then he was like, "Yeah, but this is coming from somebody with with a nude picture of themselves on the internet." <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, I don't I don't even remember that, and there, there's a good reason I don't remember that is because of a lot of Jameson. Jameson, there it is. <laughs> I know somebody who named their child Jameson after the, after the whiskey, so. There's a lot of love going on for for Jameson. 
Um, <laughs> oh my god, how do you even? That was definitely something that I'm like, I gotta ask him about this picture. That is just that is just too much. Um, so I'm gonna go. Okay, before I actually jump away from that, did your parents know that you had this picture on the internet? Like, what are they? My parents? I'm 22. I'm a grown ass man. I can do what I want. <laughs> So do you ever talk to your parents about any of that stuff? No, they don't care. They don't care. <laughs> they, they, they let they let me live my life for sure. It works. So what do they think about? Like I guess you you said before that you're always you've always been a gamer. Um, where your parents like my parents can kind of went you know you sh- you'll probably want to grow out of this eventually or or maybe oh, you want to no, go no. outside or like how did how what was the family kind of dynamic with you embracing games at I'm assuming at a pretty young age like where did that start? Well, my dad played games. He played Doom while and Halo awesome. while, as I was growing up. And like my I lost my mother very early, so I lived with my aunt. And she was like, "You know what? This this keeps the let's this keeps him off my back." So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they never tried to push me away from games. They were like, "Uh, well, you should probably do this other thing in addition to what you're doing." Do you remember and, how like, old you were when you first saw Doom? When I first saw Doom, I was like seven or eight. No, younger than that even. I was like five or six. And my dad even played (laughs) horror games. My dad played, when I was like nine years old, he played like Silent Hill and Silent Hill 2 in front of me. And I was like, holy shit, that's scary. Yeah, man, that is terrifying stuff. So I'm gathering that when you, uh, I'm, I'm trying hard to imagine you growing up to have kids. Uh, would you would you put games like that in front of them? Kind of same idea, or just because I feel like there's almost like this this super sensitivity to to violent games now. And I'm kind of looking around at everybody who's my age; they're all having kids, and they're like, "You can't play these like Call of Duty, for example." I'm like, "Man, when I was like six years old, I was stabbing a German Shepherd in the face in Wolfenstein 3D. Like, granted, it's not as realistic, but like, how do you how do you sort of like reconcile those two? those two ideas if you do it all it's kids are very long in the future for me like i don't plan on having kids (laughs) for a while put that um, on the record (laughs) but uh i I don't know i feel like it's going to be completely different for me because i'll i want to let let them know where games have been give them a good taste of games throughout like the decades Mm. like I might. I'm not going to go much further back than like Super Mario Brothers, but I totally imagine them having Super Mario Brothers as the first game they play. Is that kind of like where you started, like actually holding a controller in your hands and playing playing games? Was it Super Mario that did no, it for my, you? My first game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was it was on the Atari 3600. Okay. Wow. I'm surprised. It was, uh, no, it no. There's a story why I was playing on that though. Okay. Um, but it was um, oh, shit. It was Space Invaders, I think. Space nice. Invaders. And uh, the only reason I was playing that is because I was staying at my grandparents' house, and they still had my dad's old Atari. Yeah. So like they were like, oh, we don't feel like uh, watching the kid that much. So they just sat <laughs> me down away. in front of the Atari, and they were like. Hey, play all these games, and that was just the first game. There was like a huge box of them. Oh of my Atari gosh! Games, and I, I just played them all. Were you kind of hooked from there? Where that unit went, though? Yeah, I was like, dude, this is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, no kidding. But, but oh, then so again, even I was though, like, I was even like though, like, what was current at that point? What was current at that time? So if, I can't even do the math that quickly. Uh, but. 
Uh, I was born in 1994, so it was PlayStation. PlayStation was probably what was current, but I was playing that, and it was great. That is amazing. So, like, that's a real testament to how timeless those those games are. So then, do you basically skip from, you know, like the first video games almost to like PlayStation Two kind of thing, or like where do you go from there? Up to PlayStation One very quickly because my grandparents saw that I liked playing games. So they talked with my <laughs> my dad, and they were like, "Uh, well, let's uh, let's get him a PlayStation One." And I got a PlayStation One, uh, and they subscribed to the PlayStation Underground stuff. So I got like these these demo discs every month. What's PlayStation Underground? I've always heard of like uh, PlayStation Magazine. What's I'm gathering it's the same oh, idea. There's yeah, it, there was this thing called PlayStation Underground, and they kept sending like demo discs of like all these different games. Yeah. So like they I get these demo discs and I tell them which ones which one of the games that I I liked off the demo disc and they'd go get like pick one of those games to get for me. Brilliant marketing. <laughs> and uh yeah, my first couple of games were Crash Bandicoot games. Okay. And um yeah, that's it was mostly Crash Bandicoot. I did play one JRPG in the PS1 era and that was uh, Legend of Dragoon. Oh, I don't know if I've played that one. Yeah, it's one that's it's it's rare to find someone who has actually played it. Oh, okay. Is it's it It's available now though if you want to get it on PlayStation 3 on the eShop there. Right. Do you still have all your old games? Oh, I have Legend of Dragoon. Yeah. Okay. And I have um I have the trilogy of Digimon games from the PS1 <laughs> era. Digimon World One, Two, and Three. Oh my yeah. gosh! I'm so I'm a, I'm a, I would well by proxy I'm a Nintendo kid because I wasn't allowed to have consoles growing up. <laughs> I've told the story a few times, but uh, my parents for some reason thought that if we just had a computer in the house, like there was back then, it was really like if you had a computer in the house, you were on a, on on the right track for good education. I guess I don't know. It didn't really make much sense, and so consoles were like video games and they're just detracting and all that stuff. But we had shitty ports of console games on the computer all the time so it was kind of we, we sort of found a back way to to play our games but my neighbor had every nintendo console growing up so i was always like right with him with nes super nintendo 64 everything like that so i'm curious with you like being you're, you're about 10 years younger than me actually so playstation came to be right when you're about four or five and I'm wondering, like, were you, was that the trajectory for you right from the get-go? Or were you kind of, like, wondering what's what's going on with Nintendo? Or were you kind of, like, ambi... Or, okay. Like, where did that go? <laughs> so, it was really... I had a really weird childhood growing up with games. Um, like, I had my PlayStation 1, but then, like, I was drawn into these other games on PC, like Age of Empires and Zoo Tycoon, and like awesome, all these yes, diff, like real time strategy and like these simulator games, and I got drawn into that. I want to pause right PC. there. That's my jam. <laughs> Age of Empires is amazing. So, were you into like Warcraft, Starcraft, all that kind of Command and Conquer and stuff? Um, my trajectory, like RTS wise, was I jumped from Age of Empires to uh, Age of Mythology, okay, to uh, Rise of Nations. Right. I and don't know if I played Rise of the Nations. It, it was pretty... I liked it. Were you I, hardcore I don't, I don't into it? Like, I, I ended up being quite surprised when esports became a thing, and I'm watching guys play StarCraft, and there are metrics that I didn't even know existed. Like, the actions per minute is a thing. 
And I'm I like, I'm so far in. away from that. Yeah. I was like, uh, okay, these guys can do their thing. I'm just going to have fun over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That actually kind of like, it was a weird thing for me because I was still kind of like, I, I'd spent my time with real-time strategy games. And then I saw this. We actually saw it at New York Comic Con. They had a live tournament. It was the nerdiest thing I think I've ever seen in real life. So they had like, you know, they've got the two guys in little booths aside from each other. They can't hear or see what the other guy is doing. And outside of the booth are all of us watching the game on this big giant screen. And then off to the side, they've got the play-by-play guys. And like, I sort of knew what was going on. I knew when a pivotal moment was happening. But my fiance at the time, She's watching this and she has absolutely no idea what's happening in StarCraft. And next thing we know, some big move happens. I can't remember a guy like starts to lift his, his siege tanks and do a drop in the back and people realize that that's what's happening and the crowd erupts in applause. And my, my fiance is just looking at her out going like, what is happening? It was like the weirdest, the weirdest thing. So a whole other world out there in real time strategy games that. I just so anytime I see somebody who's grown up with like Age of Empires, I'm like, oh man, that's like that's totally what I was spending my time playing. It's it's funny though because I didn't play Age of Empires because I liked real time strategy. I played it because I was like a history nerd. Okay, where does that come yeah. from? I I don't know. It's just something that I I. I see. I'm a, I'm a real nerd growing up. Uh, I I grew up watching like the discover the Discovery Channel, the History Channel. Okay. So that that kind of stuff threw me in that direction. That's awesome. Yeah. So then you got these games. You can just totally dive into everything else that you're watching on on TV and stuff. I absolutely love that. So what what else? Like you kind of said you you've alluded to this a little bit, and I'm interested. And feel free to share them as much as you want. Like how. How was your growing up a little bit weird? <laughs> um, because while I was playing all these games and stuff, I was a hardcore athlete. Right. Like, it was really weird because I would I would be at home playing games online with my friends in high school. Like, and then I'd go out, like, after, after school and practice, like, five days a week and... Like I'd be with all these people who are like games, right? Games. Who who's games for? I yeah. Mean, and it it was just really like, why can't you see that I like both? Totally. So is that something that like I definitely connect with that? Um, I mean, I remember still when when NES was out, and because we didn't have it, it was like this taboo thing. But I remember going over to a friend's house and we were supposed to like watch a movie or something. And the whole time I'm just like staring at this this nes going like so when can we play that thing because that would be way better than what we're doing and so i've sort of had that all the way through life where all i really want to do is just go home and play games (laughs) but there are other things and so you know i remember going through through high school um i actually started like fresh i actually moved i went to a different high school than everybody else from my junior high was going to so didn't know anybody kind of had this like weird clean slate kind of thing that would happen. And I remember thinking, I don't want to let on how much I like games, like how much of a nerd I really am. And it's so stupid. I wish I could go back and tell myself, like, go find your friends who actually like games. And then you just talk about games all the time. That would have been way better. So I'm curious if um, that was ever a thing that went on with you, kind of like with your athletic crowd, because I was playing sports at the, uh, at the time as well, but always would rather be inside playing games and playing soccer <laughs> oh no i 
funny you mention it, soccer was my sport, and, like, it was, it always tore me apart, like, I Mm -hmm. wanted to play soccer, like, all the time, but I also wanted to play games all the time, and there was just no way for me to do that, and it was frustrating, because... FIFA. (laughs) Yeah, FIFA. I'm just kidding. It just isn't even the same. Rocket League is more like real soccer than FIFA. (laughs) That might be true, actually. There's some pretty good positional play happening (laughs) in Rocket League. And it's more, it's more about playing, playing as a team in that game than FIFA, you're playing as the entire team. It's just, uh, it's, it's one mind, one team. And in Rocket League, it's more like you have these three separate minds working together. It's pretty magical, that game. I, I want to, jump back to that in a little bit so we'll go back i i took us off on a weird tangent here um so when um playstation comes into your life is that kind of where you're going or were you were you playing other consoles as well as you were growing up um i was playing my game boy a lot playing yes a lot of of them pokemans oh pokemon yeah (laughs) um also doing uh i've my neighbor had an xbox like during the PS2 Xbox era, they had an Xbox, I had a PS2, so yeah. I'd go over there and see what was happening on Xbox every once in a while. Okay. Do you remember that giant controller? Was... <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing was... You could hurt someone. <laughs> that was like a weapon. That thing was crazy. We we had a, a guy who... <laughs> this is so mean, but I'm, I'm sure he's not listening. <laughs> we had a guy who was a little bit overweight, and so we used to call the big controller the Gary. <laughs> anyway (laughs) so were you part of like the like the console war kind of thing were you thinking about like this one has these specs and this one has this or were you just totally outside of that and always have been no i was i've always been like open to playing other consoles other than playstation like yeah i actually played xbox 360 a lot because my parents refused to buy a ps3 for at launch Oh, because oh, it was so expensive? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so I, I went through the Xbox 360 that time, and towards the end, I got a PS3 and played that a bit. But, uh, yeah, that that's a gap in my PlayStation history that I'm trying to go back and correct. And what is that like for you? It's something that I struggle with on a day-to-day basis of um, of a ba- the idea of a backlog. Um where are you at with your backlog and <laughs> like how much turmoil does it inner turmoil does it cause you okay so counting right now I'm going, <laughs> oh i have to do um i have to i still have to beat bloodborne i still haven't done that that's a game that i think i could go back to throughout this whole generation like I, yeah. i'm totally fine just chipping away at that but anyway what else you got there <laughs> um I'm going to replay Final Fantasy X and uh, the 13s just to prepare myself for the disappointment of 15 when it comes out this year. I have a really dumb question about Final Fantasy um, because I've, again, by proxy is my my experience with it. My wife played 13 and I was just, <clears throat> excuse me, she was, I was just kind of watching her play that and I've watched a ton of people play Final Fantasy 7. I've played the first probably 5, 10 hours of Final Fantasy 7, I think five times, but I've never finished a Final Fantasy game. So my question is this: What happened to Final Fantasy fourteen? That's an MMO. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I've it's, never even it's seen it. It's a follow-up MMO. Final Fantasy eleven was an MMO as well, right? Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen launched as an MMO, and then it had a shit ton of problems, and they eventually had to like relaunch it later. Because it seems like nobody talks about Final Fantasy fourteen. Everybody talks really? about Lightning and and thirteen. 
I I never hear people talk about. That's, that's basically what I meant. Like what, that's what happened because that game. if you're talking to Final Fantasy people, mm. like people who are into the mainline series, they're like uh, eleven and fourteen probably shouldn't be numbered entries into Final Fantasy. What do you think? Like, is that... I, I I agree with that. It's yeah. just it doesn't make sense for those to be like numbered entries into the Final Fantasy series. It's like it's like saying that Final Fantasy Tactics was. Final Fantasy Tactics itself was more of a mainline Final Fantasy than these other games, mm-hmm. these MMOs. Where you when when did you experience Final Fantasy Tactics if you, if you had? Um I remember recently playing, well not really recent, like like 4 years ago I played it. Yeah, like one of the uh from the digital store, like from yes. the PlayStation store. I've... Did you play it on your Vita or anything like that? Um, no, I played it, I actually played that one on my laptop, because that's just, that was more convenient for me at the time, because I was traveling a lot. Where were you going? Um, places that I can't (laughs) talk about. Gotcha, gotcha, I tried to, I tried to dig a little deep there, but that's alright, you can, you can, you can have a bit of a veil of mysterious whatever. (laughs) That's hilarious. People have already seen enough of me. That's, well, I was gonna say... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of weird to have like well you can know this about me but not this um what else so with with this backlog that you've got growing with day to day we're about to like go into some pretty crazy release schedule here um, oh yeah may is gonna murder me what do you are you pre-ordering stuff or like what's on the what's on the horizon for you with games oh well okay so i'm caught up enough i'm right now i'm playing through all the ratchet and clank games like the Ones that I take seriously, like one, two, and... <laughs> All right, so Ratchet and Clank, you can see on my shirt here, not for the audio. That's majors. awesome! But uh, I love Ratchet and Clank. It's probably my favorite series. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm play- I am played through the first and second one. I'm on, my third- on the third one, uh, Up Your Arsenal. And then I'm going to play Into the <laughs> Nexus, which was a decent game, and then uh, A Crack in Time. And all the other games in the Ratchet series, it's just kind of weird. Do you know but what it like? What was it about those games? Was it their like kind of cartoony thing, online stuff? Like that's like right from the beginning. Like where you kind of locked in with Ratchet and Clank. Oh, oh yeah. Like I got the first Ratchet and Clank game. Like it's weird because uh, I got I was into Ratchet and Clank, and then my best friend uh, Tyler, he's more into uh, Jack and Daxter. So we oh, we always go yes. back and forth on which one's better. I love that. Which was funny because that's just kind of the same thing that uh, Naughty Dog and Insomniac did with each other during that era. They they like to pl- crack jokes at each other within their games. Yeah, the, I'm sure I would love to be a fly on the wall with if they were ever to like meet for lunch and the things that they would talk about, or just like Naughty Dog shit talking them, or or the other way around. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it would have been like Mark Rubin and Ted Price would have been meeting like that yeah so you have like this crazy encyclopedic knowledge of like you don't just play playstation like you actually are a bit of a student of the of the school of playstation how did how did you start getting into like memorizing the people who make these games like i have a i have a huge respect for people who like i can name a game and they instantly know the developer and the people who are on the team at the time like that's crazy well you see it really comes and goes. It's really sure. with franchises and games that I that really strike true to me. Those are the those are the kind of games that I look into, see who's responsible for that, mm-hmm. and it's, it's I have spotty knowledge. Okay, <laughs> like there there's there's like certain eras in time, especially like the beginning of the PS3 era, where I just 
have nothing up here. I think that's because... probably the case for a lot of people. <laughs> They're probably too busy working their second job to play their PlayStation 3. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's... I, I don't know. I just have a, I have a real respect for the creators. Nice. What's your what's under the TV right now? Are you playing just PlayStation Four or like what else, what else do you got? Um, under the TV right now is a PlayStation Four, a PlayStation Three, a Wii U, and an Xbox One. So I really oh, have there you go. I have a variety here, but I like to focus on my PlayStation. I have my Xbox for exclusives and uh, multiplayer centric games. Right. Because that's where all that's where most of my old friends are, and that's where I keep up with them at. But uh, I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to move more <laughs> bring towards them over. my PlayStation. I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to bring them over, but I think they've heard enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, Frank, we get it, we get it. PlayStation is a thing. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I'm finding the exact same thing with my friends that they're most of them still stuck with Xbox, like. My my friend circle does not reflect, like, even in the remotest way, what is happening with PlayStation completely destroying Xbox. And I say that just with in terms of sales, uh, with total respect to what's act- what Xbox One is doing right now. Um, you're finding the same thing, or are you starting to see more and more people going going PlayStation? See, it's more split, but... um. Since I I do I'm fortunate enough to have the financial means to have both I'll get both so I can play with both pools of players yeah and it, it's I like to have a broad knowledge of like what's going on in general I don't want to be left off like I was when I didn't get a PS3 at launch right I want to have that gap in not knowing what was what's going on over there. So are you jumping right on with VR and NX and all this new stuff that oh, like this is going to yeah. be a this is going to be a serious spending year for gamers. <laughs> oh yeah it is. And I I've I've been saving for a while cuz I knew this year would be big. Yeah. I'm going I'm going to try to get a pre-order in for VR, but if I can't I'll buy it as soon as it becomes available. Um the NX I'll have to see like mm. it could be Nintendo's launching pad for the future or it could just be a pitfall for everyone who who has any trust in nintendo right now yeah i guess i mean like i'm my wife and i we uh we got the the wii u first day we like we didn't even care <laughs> every time somebody was asking what the gamepad was for it was just like who cares like this thing is kind of neat and it's obviously just a a translation of the of the ds system so and that seemed to work out well so i was i was kind of like i, I always felt like there was a bit of a double standard against the wii u with um you know with this weird kind of controller that they made everybody play and then a a undeniably soft launch lineup which as we saw later with ps4 and xbox one they both had pretty soft lineups as well so i definitely have a lot of leeway and leniency towards nintendo and i'll I'll be with them until they're done making consoles i think (laughs) so yeah, I I am enjoying a game in particular, one game in particular on my Wii U right now. That's a Xenoblade. Oh, nice! The, the new Xenoblade game, it is amazing. Is this your first one uh, in the series? I've I've dabbled in the other one on my 3DS, but I just never had the time to like sit down with it. Sure. I should in the coming months though, because of uh, a lot of travel. I'm going to Boston for PAX East. Nice. And then I'm going out to San Francisco for a kind of funny live. Okay, so we need gonna... to meet there, by the way. 
because I'm booking I'm booking my flights like probably sometime this week now that they've actually confirmed it. Uh, we should do some sort of like live recording or something. I think that would be so much fun. Yeah, sure thing. Um, it's yeah, and then I'm gonna try to do PSX again this year in December. Uh, I can't do both. That's the crappy. But where in the where yeah. in the states are you? I'm I'm in the southeast. Alabama. Okay, so that's a bit of a trek still. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's just that I don't. Right now, it, it's gonna sound really weird, but right now I've the past four months I have had nothing to really spend my money on. So sure. I've just been saving it up, and it's going it's gonna go out the door. <laughs> that's well, and, and onto a plane. <laughs> that's okay. Yep. That, that's awesome. I always wish like I had. You know, I go to, I've gone to New York Comic Con, I think, two or three times, and I've, I went to San Diego Comic Con this last time, but, like, I'm way more into the games. Like, when I go to these, go to these shows, I'm hanging out whatever corner of that has been carved out for video games. And, um, I just wish that I sort of knew about PAX a little earlier, I guess, like, when I had sort of disposable income and not a house to pay for. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm I'm super jealous that you get to go to those shows, especially PSX. I would love uh, I love Xbox to to jump on board with that, and even Nintendo as well. That was probably the funnest time at San Diego Comic Con. It wasn't even part of the com of the con. It was uh it was just in like the basement on one of the hotels next to the Comic Con. They just had this Nintendo room. It was awesome because you could just sit down, and it was just before Mario Maker came out. And they had one of those super crazy hard levels, like from uh, from the E3 that they just had, and they had like a lineup of I don't know how many people. It was probably like 100, 150 people lining up so that they could, if they beat this level, they would win a Mario hat. Like <laughs> it was like the terrible prize, but they were just they were so excited to play this game, and everybody was there just loving Nintendo. It was you know I would just love for more things like PSX. Even if it was a shameful ripoff, I think that I think that fans would really come to, you know, experiences like that. Yeah, PSX is like probably one of the smartest things Sony has done in the pa- in the past decade. Like just having an event just for your fans, just mm-hmm. to see games. It's it's amazing, really. Like I went on the show floor for PSX, and it was just like games on two two levels just enti- an entire floor of games and it was amazing and it, it's not just these big games too you have a mm-hmm. shit ton of these indie developers and like it's really fun to go see their games and listen to them talk about what they're trying to do with their game and it it's really cool i i actually spotted a few games that uh that I'm really looking forward to this summer. <laughs> Do you think, like, I always wonder about the experience at the, some of these cons and things. Like, I kind of wish that you could, like, try a game and then walk away with, like, like a demo or something like that. Like, do you think that there's anything that, that they need to add to these to these experiences to kind of get around? Like, I, I always... I don't like waiting in line to play a game and then having five people behind me watch. Like, is there a different way that you would have it done um, or are you cool with like kind of like what's been what's happening at playstation experience there, uh there's a smart way they could do this and they've already been doing they already did something similar but it wasn't for what you want um they did this uh card collecting thing and around oh the, that's right yeah so so instead of collecting cards they had all these qr codes that you would scan all over the place mm-hmm. with the with some app they came out with 
before the event and you you'd get like these bonuses and stuff uh i think some of them were like uh cosmetic dlc for certain games and stuff right. like that but if they could do that and just and give out like demo codes or something or like you sign in with your playstation account on their app and uh you scan these codes you get that added to your library that would be pretty cool yeah something that just sort of like you know reflects on your maybe on your profile or something like that that says like i was there and i remember having an amazing time so like what else what else kind of other than they've got like their big um They've got some big announcements happening at PlayStation Experience, but like, what? How do you spend your time? Like, you walk in the door and like, just go. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> okay, so what you do is you walk in, you look at the schedule, you can see like what's happening. There's like a community stage where I got to play Rocket League in front of like a couple hundred people. Nice. And then, yeah, and I won both times I got up there, so it was <laughs> that was pretty awesome. You're like, I got this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, I don't care who you are, teammate. We got this. <laughs> are you and more was, offensive in this game, or are you like a, a stellar goalie? I haven't played um, you yet. I'm a box-to-box player. Like, I make plays happen anywhere. Like, I challenge yeah. for the ball and, make and like, keep it pounded in their end. And eventually, when I see an opportunity, I'll take it. I love that. Oh, man, I got to go play some Rocket League tonight. <laughs> That's a game that will never come off my PlayStation 4. Like, oh, no way. No way that comes off my PlayStation 4. I am, I've am. i been known for Rocket League because I did a, a Rocket League uh, Extra Life stream on Kind of Funny's channel. They how hosted long, me. How long were you playing for the Extra Life thing? Oh, I did an hour for them, I believe. That's awesome. And then I did a bonus hour because someone had to drop out in the middle of the night, so I woke up at like 2 in the morning and played some Rocket League. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. I gotta jump on that this year for sure. I've always been wanting to, because I do a lot of, like, other charity stuff, too, but I would love to jump on this Extra Life thing. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I would just love to play games all the time, so why not mix that? My love for uh, playing games with my love for doing charity stuff. So that's mm-hmm. basically what I do for a living. I work for a, I work for a cancer charity here in, in Canada. So basically, I've been really wanting to figure out a way to... Uh, to do some sort of video of a video game event to benefit the charity that I work for. So, but maybe we'll, I'll think about that and update people as we go along here. So, so in your opinion, like you went to just this last PSX or did you go before? No, I didn't go to the one before in Las Vegas and I'm kind of glad I didn't because I have a feeling Vegas would eat me apart. (laughs) I'm terrified of Vegas. Like I hear stories from my friends who go to Vegas and they come back and they're just like it's it's too much. I I don't know. I, I haven't gone to Vegas myself, so but I will be in San Francisco for for kind of funny live, which is exactly what I'm talking about. Just like some sort of dedicated experience or dedicated grouping of people who are just there to geek out about basically the same thing. I'm so looking forward to that. Um Anyway, I don't want to take up all of your night because I'm so appreciative that you were able to mix up your schedule. I want to jump into a little game that I like to call Metacritic Mayhem. I, I have handpicked five games that are PlayStation exclusives for you to go ahead and guess the the Metacritic score, which is a difficult thing because you don't really know, like if there's like oh, reviews have changed so much over the years. Totally. Oh so 
so we'll go through game by game. You can let me know what your what your guess is. And uh, so the idea is pretty simple. You just want to be close to the score. It doesn't matter if you go above or below. Um, but the difference between your answer and the real um, score will be tallied up. You want to make sure that your total is as low as possible. All right. So you're the second one to do this. We had Joey Ferris uh, last week. He did pretty good. So I don't even know what the stakes are. I was going to say the stakes are high, but there's there are no stakes. Bragging okay. rights are on the line. I'd like a steak right now. <laughs> Man, it's like 9 o'clock at night. I would totally I still eat a steak. Yeah. <laughs> they should get pizza delivery and steak, steak delivery. And oh, my God. That sounds incredible. <laughs> All right. Okay, so in celebration of your your launching the PlayStation Report, these games are all exclusive to PlayStation, uh, all the way back from PlayStation 1. Uh, we only go up to PlayStation 3. So we'll start with a seminal game. You were three years old, I think. <laughs> yes. When Final Fantasy VII came out on September 3rd, 1997, developed by Squaresoft, and while you think about this, I'll read you the summary from the, Metac- from the Metacritic page. It's an epic adventure across three CD-ROMs. What begins as rebellion against an evil corporation becomes much more, etc., etc. <laughs> I feel like that only halfway describes it, but... So, Final Fantasy VII, PlayStation 1, later came on iOS, PC, and uh, is now PlayStation 4. We look forward to a remake. I'm curious, what is your guesses to the Metacritic score? 92. Okay, so last week I did, I I, I went all the way through, but I think yeah, that this do, is... do that. No, I think this is better. I want to oh. let you know each one. I want to let you know how, how far off you are each time. Because by the time you get to the end, um, you will need to make some serious decisions whether or not you can close the gap. Okay, wow. so your first answer, 92 final answer... Yes. The Metacritic score for Final Fantasy VII is... 92. Yeah! <laughs> That's amazing! That's really it's almost good. As, it's almost as if I've looked at that Metacritic score before, and I've just... No, I didn't look at it, like, right now, but I have looked it up before. Sure. So. Okay. Oh, so now we're going to test, like, your actual memory of yeah. creeping on the I, Metacritic. <laughs> yeah, I have creeped on Metacritic before. That is amazing. That's okay. That is totally allowed. Okay, so nobody has ever hit a bang on. That's got to be worth at least Woo! bonus points. Okay, so the second game, still on the PlayStation 1. Um, this one, you were probably four years old when it came out. A uh, little game from Polyphony Digital called Gran Turismo, released on the PlayStation 1. Uh, it had more than 100 cars in this game. Looked photorealistic, of course. Um, let's go to the Metacritic summary. It says, Welcome to the most advanced racing game ever created. Encounter exhilarating high-speed races in 11 stunning environments. <laughs> Feel handling, agility, and throttle response so convincing the cars seem to be an extension of yourself. Experience the extraordinary world of Gran Turismo. Okay, Mr. Sloth. What is your guess? 86. 86. Okay. Final answer? Yeah. The Metacritic score for Gran Turismo is higher than Final Fantasy VII. What? 96. How? This game changed everything. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Apparently. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that I remember when that came out. 
like the last racing game I think I played by that point was like Cruising USA. So this was a bit of a step up. It was taking things to another level with simulation and all the things you could tweak that I have no interest in doing. Okay. Okay. Third game. We're getting a little. We're you're you're had to, uh, had to, had to miss one so people knew I wasn't cheating. Yeah, you totally threw that one. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember this game. Uh, it might be in in the gap as uh, this was I think a launch game for PlayStation Three. Lair by Factor Five came out Shit. August thirtieth, two thousand and seven. I'll let you let you ponder this. They've got like an essay on this thing on the Metacritic page. It starts with I won't read the whole thing, but it starts with this. In a world ravaged, or <clears throat> in a world ravaged by endless conflict and natural disaster, a call for peace turns into a bloodbath of betrayal and deceit. Playing as a warrior riding a voracious dragon trained for deadly aerial and ground combat and capable of scorching, clawing, and smashing thousands of enemies, gamers must defeat countless armies to save a civilization. That sounds awesome! <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not. I feel like these Metacritic summaries are like misleading somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um. Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. I, I bet I'm like far off on that. So your ninety-two is. Uh, I mean, it's going to help you in the end, but the the Metacritic score for Lair is fifty-three. Oh shit! Ouch! I just, <laughs> Damn. That game was not good. <laughs> All right. Well, shit. Well, okay, so you have... I think I'm officially out of it. See, this is what I mean. I, I, I think that it's better that you know as you go, because then I think you're, the pressure is on for these last two games. I don't, I don't think there's any pressure now. I think, I think I've already lost. Uh, not? You're still doing, no you're still doing okay. The first two, you did really good. You did really good. Okay. Fourth game. By Quantic Dream came out in February of 2010. Heavy Rain. First on the PlayStation 3 is now available on the PlayStation 4. Let's see what Metacritic has to say about this one as you, as you think about Heavy Rain. How far will you go to save someone you love? Experience a gripping psychological thriller filled with innumerable twists and turns where choices and actions can result in dramatic consequences. Spanning four days of mystery and suspense, the hunt is on for the murderer known only as the or Origami Killer. I don't even... I think they spelled Origami wrong. But I'm not sure. Nobody check that, please, because I could be wrong. Named after his macabre calling card of leaving behind folded paper shapes at crime scenes, four characters each following their own leads and with their own motives must take part in a desperate attempt to prevent the killer from claiming a new victim. Did you play Heavy Rain? No, I didn't, I didn't play Heavy Rain. There's I... a great part in it where you're searching for your or the character's son and you just keep tapping X. And he just keeps shouting the name, Jason! Jason! It's hilarious, so that's worth price of admission right there. So from what you can remember, I, people talking about Heavy how Rain. critics received this game. Oh. Shit. Um, 84. I love that you lean into the microphone to give your answer. I just, that's, oh, you crack me up. <laughs> okay, so how do you feel about your answer? Um, not very confident. Not confident. <laughs> you did good. So the final, the final Metacritic score for Heavy Rain is eighty-seven. Okay, okay, I can live with that. Definitely, I I feel like as the game got older, the the views on it started to split. I think mm. people started to really, really love it. I think people, especially now, look back on that game and and think, 
quite fondly of it. But at the time, I thought it was more divisive than this. I, I should look through some of these individual ratings and, and see where people were at. But the average is pretty high, 87. So that's pretty good. Okay, final game. You do, right. You're doing good. You're doing good. Let's bring it home. You threw me some curveballs in there. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I, I started with two really good games. I'm like, man, there are some real shit PlayStation exclusives too. So those are the ones that... Mix yeah. it up a little bit. <laughs> nothing can be bad on PlayStation. Well, exactly. <laughs> okay. September 6, 2011, Insomniac re- revealed or released Resistance 3. Resistance 3. On oh, the PlayStation okay. 3. Think about that for a second. This, yeah, this yeah, of course. I, I, I remember, I remember uh, hearing things about Resistance One and Two, but the people kind of shy away from mentioning Three. I know it's cr- it's so fun. It has that it, great. Um, I picked it, it because I wonder what the Metacritic score could be. Okay, so here's the summary. <laughs> Set in brutal alternate 1950s universe, America has been successfully conquered and destroyed by the deadly Chimeran uh, race, forcing the last remaining humans surviving to seek refuge in hiding. Players must take on the role of Joseph Capelli, the last surviving sentinel from a clandestine military program as he comes out of hiding to, to journey across a land of ruin in a heroic fight for survival against a merciless chimera. What a great description and an amazing box art that everybody talks about even to this day. It has 3D all over in this little icon on the, uh, on the box art. What is your guess for the Metacritic score for Resistance Three in your final game of Metacritic Mayhem. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw low here. I'm gonna go for a for a sweet and spicy fifty four. Ouch! <laughs> Not a lot of faith with the Resistance Three. How confident are you in your answer? Not at all, because uh, yeah, Resistance wasn't something that I picked up. Ah, okay. I'm gonna let you sit. It's and... on my backlog. I hope that people are playing along two. with you. You you should play it. You should definitely play it, at least if Metacritic is concerned. Because it's a far cry from your 54. Really? Metacritic score for Resistance 3, the game that you just guessed. I'm going to let you squirm a little. <laughs> Remember, it was developed by Insomniac. I know. Insomniac generally does good games. Metacritic score. 83 wow people wow okay i was wrong that's the game that's like it's weird because no one ever mentions resistance 3 they're like always about resistance and resistance 2 and Mm -hmm. the thing that they talk about is 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 that it didn't sell as well i think and and a lot of that goes to the box art itself that it's super artistic it looks amazing but it's not like your traditional box art that gets picked up off of the shelf so your final score is 67 that's that's disgusting. That's that's horrible. That's not bad. At least you I'm can get into. I'm disappointed in myself. Well, we're gonna have to find a way to give you a chance to redeem yourself one time. But I'm I'm glad. I hope you had fun playing the Metacritic Mayhem game. <laughs> fun? Well, um, I don't think my heart had fun. Ah. Okay. Well, it has it has come to that time in the show. Actually, before I do this, is there anything that you wanted to talk about? Like, I'm gonna I'm about to cut you off here, but I don't know if. The, if there's anything you feel good? I guess so. <laughs> well, you're a real character, man. I'm so <sighs> glad that I was that we we're able to have this chat. I'm gonna have to have you back on at some point for sure. But uh 
tell all the beautiful people out there where they can listen to your voice on the internet, where they can hear your your musings and your tweets and all of that. You can find away. me at the bottom of a bottle on twitch.tv slash the Arctic Sloth <laughs> and on Twitter at the Arctic Sloth. Hell, I do a PlayStation podcast called The PlayStation Report. You can email that podcast at the PlayStation... Ah, no, I forget the email, so f- scratch that. Wait. PS re- at PS Report, you can get my... Uh, your your email is PlayStationReportPodcast at gmail.com. Yes. I have it tattooed on my upper thigh. And if you want something stimulated, just ask for it. <laughs> okay, man. I don't know what else I can say after that, so thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. We'll talk to you again. Thanks for having me. So after we stopped recording, Frank went and told me some of the podcasts that he listens to. And uh, if you're interested, maybe maybe tweet at him, The Arctic Sloth. Uh, get him to tell you some of the things that he told me. <laughs> I don't think that I'm going to repeat some of those names, Frank. Oh, my God. I was about to write a list down and then uh, realize I don't want anybody seeing <laughs> that I wrote those words down onto a piece of paper. Um, wow. Such a... <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Thank you so much to the Arctic Sloth for, for coming on. You guys can check out Frank's podcast, The PlayStation Report. You can follow him on Instagram, PlayStation Report, his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash FTS157, his website, projectslothamgaming.com, his PSN is Frank the Prawn Star, <laughs> and his Xbox is The Arctic Sloth. So go find them all over the interwebs. Uh, so thanks to Frank for being here and thanks to you for being here thank you for listening thank you for sharing of course and uh, if you like what's happening on this podcast please please you guys please rate go on to iTunes and, and give an old 5 star rating with uh, with everything is awesome in the comments <laughs> that would be perfect um, even if you don't like it <laughs> 5 star couldn't hurt it doesn't really cost you anything maybe you're maybe you're pooping right now and you got nothing but time just hop on over to iTunes give us a rating you can give me feedback sean capri on the twitter of course sean like connery capri like the pants you can send us an email we the gamercast at we the nerdy.com you can send in questions comments uh new games to play man what an awesome time that was with metacritic mayhem <laughs> uh so thank you so much to bobby from the geek cast for the name and thanks to James from Life of Gaming Podcast for the pregnant pause. <laughs> oh man, that's too much fun. Anyway, we the nerdy.com host this beautiful podcast, so be sure to go over there every day, bookmark it, check it out. Lots of cool stuff happening, like I mentioned at the top of the show, my my PlayStation VR killing NX. <laughs> that article is there, and um, I hope to do a few more of those opinion sort of editorial just uh, reflections on what's going on. So that's for me, but other things on WeTheNerdy.com. Of course, we have our other podcast on WeTheNerdy.com. It's Game Over Man, Game OVR Man with Sean Messler back from episode 13. Otherwise, we're going to wrap this up. This has been episode 21. It is now in your ears. Thank you again for listening. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you guys next Monday. One day, I, I get out of I get out of the shower. I look in the mirror, and I was like, damn. I like that. Jason!
Jason! Jason! Jason! Sean! 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 Sean, where are you? Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!